الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا نساء النبي لستنك أحد من النساء إن اتقيتن فلا تخضعن بالقول فلا تخضعن بالقول فيطمع الذي في قلبه مرض وقلن قولا معروفا وقرن في بيوتكن ولا تبرجن تبرج الجاهلية الأولى وأقبن الصلاة وآتين الزكاة وأطعن الله ورسوله وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خيركم من تعلم القرآن وعلمه أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most suspected mothers and sisters While coming on the way there was something being discussed and in that process one anecdote got mentioned which I will repeat here. Might be a little bit on the lighter side but it is a starting point for what we wish to discuss. One person had gone to a library, one man he went to a library and he asked, he was looking around various shelves trying to source some book, particular book. So after a while he couldn't find it so he came to the librarian. So the librarian asked him what you're looking for? So he said no, I'm looking for the book which is titled Man, the Boss of the House. So or something of that nature. So the librarian told him that all fiction and comics are upstairs that you won't get any fiction books down here or any comics down here, you want to read any fiction or comics, you must go upstairs. So basically that became fiction now that the man is the boss of the house. According to another little anecdote, one person he claimed very boldly, he said, I, in my house, I'm the boss. And then he added to it, he said, I have my wife's permission to say it. What this brings us to the point is that on a general note, it is the women that have often a very, very great influence on how things happen, what happens within the home and upon the people of the home. They generally are the ones who prevail, who does what, how it is done, where somebody goes, where they don't go. Often, very often, it is the woman that would have a very great influence on these issues. And in day-to-day life, they are the ones that often make many decisions. Sometimes there is, for example, a wedding taking place. So the husband, somebody advises him, look, have that wedding, your daughter's wedding, son's wedding, this is how you should go about it, keep it simple, keep it small, etc., etc. So he agrees to everything and then after some time that wedding does take place and the wedding takes place, it takes place in a very different manner. 
So when the person is met again, he says, but you agreed everything, that this is how you're going to have it. He says, well, that's what I agreed, but I got overruled. I went home and I had mentioned that this is how we're going to do it, but I got overruled. So it comes back to the same point we started off on, that he is the boss of the house, but all his decisions get endorsed. And if he's not endorsed, then it is overruled. What we merely are trying to point out is that, Alhamdulillah, women have that ability to influence how things happen in the home and how people of the home do things elsewhere also. Now this ability that Allah Ta'ala has blessed a woman with, that she can make somebody uh, toe the line sometimes. She can make that husband, she can make that father, the son, the brother, she can make them toe the line. That ability, if it is channeled in a way that will bring deen alive, then this would be a very, very great asset for all. And those women who understood this responsibility, understood this uh, purpose in life, that the purpose of life is to establish the deen of Allah wa ta'ala on this earth, in our own lives, in our families, then they use this ability that Allah Ta'ala blessed them with in a very positive way. And many women were responsible for bringing about almost like a revolution within their homes and many beyond their homes as well, in extended families, etc. So this is the focus that we need to now have, that we need to make a decision we need to make a firm decision within ourselves that we are going to focus ourselves towards deen entirely and we are going to use this ability Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with to direct our families, our immediate families and our extended families. Within the limits of Sharia, we are going to use this ability and direct everyone towards deen. Now when we speak about deen, Sometimes there is a very, very confined meaning of what deen is all about that comes to our minds. Generally, when we speak about deen, then the thought that crosses the mind is, well, we're going to get everybody to perform the salah, and maybe more than that, we will get everybody to start maybe uh, wearing a cloak also. More than that, maybe niqab as well. Mashallah, these are extremely important things. Salah, what can be said? That is the most fundamental obligation that Allah Ta'ala has placed on a mu'min. So if people start performing salah, subhanallah, what a wonderful thing, what a great thing. Those who make such an effort to encourage others, to become examples to others and get people onto salah. We cannot imagine how great the reward for that would be for those who make such an effort. So indeed, that's a tremendously great thing. Likewise, bringing people into the correct dressing Tremendously great, but deen doesn't stop there. Deen is far beyond that. Deen includes all the ibadat, all the mu'amalat, the monetary dealings, all aspects of social life, all aspects of akhlaq, all the aqaid obviously, all this is part of deen. So now we need to focus ourselves on how we are going to get bring deen alive. And when we bring deen alive, when we make this the focus, how are we going to bring deen in its entirety alive in our own lives and in our families? 
And then we're going to make an effort on our extended families, whoever else we can. Inshallah, summa inshallah, in a short time we will see what a tremendous change would take place. Now in order to understand what is the direction, there are so many things, there are numerous things. The entire Quran Sharif, the hadith of Rasulullah is filled with the direction and the guidance that is required. But we cannot cover all that now. So we're going to cover something which is mentioned in the Quran Sharif. Where Allah Ta'ala addresses the azwaj mutahharat, the noble and chaste wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, the Ummahatul Mu'mineen, the mothers of the Ummah. So it's obvious what high-ranking people these are. The Quran Sharif addresses them. And this is in Surah Al-Ahzab. There are many ayat that are discussed here. But we will just discuss a specific aspect. The discussion in these particular ayat, it commences with some incident that happened and some ayat that were revealed. Allah Ta'ala then sends down this wahi where the azwaj mutahharat are first addressed on this note that Nabi Sallallahu is told that you say to your wives that in kuntunna turidna hayat dunya wa zinataha fata'alayna umatti'kunna wa usarrihkunna sarahan jamila wa in kuntunna turidna allaha wa rasulahu wa daara al-akhirata fa inna allaha a'adda lil-muhsinati min kunna ajran azima this is where it commences that Allah Ta'ala says to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, give your wives a choice. Now what a choice. Nowadays also, many wives are given a choice because they want that choice. And now they are given a choice, okay, where you want to go for a holiday, you want to go to the east or the west. So now that's the choice, either the east or the west, but going. That's, there's no choice in that. The husband just has to now make the, whatever happens and he has to make it happen. Or likewise, whether it's this house or that house, or this luxury or that luxury. And in this way, there are choices which we sometimes, as we say, we're so spoiled for the choices, we don't know what to choose. There's so many choices. Now this is something that was applied to them, because they were to be giving the greatest example. So what was the choice given to them? On the one side, Allah Ta'ala says, إِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا وَزِينَتَهَا فَتَعَالَيْنَ أُمَتِّعْكُنَّ وَأُسَرِّحْكُنَّ سَرَاحًا جَمِيلًا If you want the comforts of life, إِن كُنْتُنَّ تُرِدْنَ الْحَيَاةَ الدُّنْيَا All the luxuries of life and all the adornments of this world, then if this is what you want, then come. فَتَعَالَيْنَ And I will give you some whatever is possible, some material things we will give you. But then, if that is what you want, you will get those, those material things. But Then in a very noble and dignified way, Nabi Salaam is being told, you must tell them, that in a very noble and dignified way, in a very good manner, not in an abrupt or harsh way, but in a good manner, we will then release you completely that you will then be free to move on, you would not be part of the household of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And, But then on the other side, if you want Allah and his Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and you want the abode of the hereafter, then, 
that is what you can choose. But Allah Ta'ala has, فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ عَدَّ لِلْمُحْسِنَاتِ مِنْ كُنَّ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Those who do good, Allah Ta'ala has kept a tremendous reward for them. Now this is the choice. The choice on the one side was that if you want, you will get all the worldly adornments. If that is what you want, you will get something. But then you would not be part of this household. And if you want to remain part of this household, then you just have your gaze on the reward that Allah Ta'ala has in store for the people who do good and who will remain content with whatever they have. Now this was something which, when Nabi Wasallam put this forward to all the Azwajah Mutahharat, unhesitatingly every one of them chose that we want Allah and His Rasul Wasallam. We don't have any aspirations for these things. We want Allah and His Rasul Wasallam. But what we learn from this, what we learn from this is that in our minds, it could have been, we might analyze it differently. But what is the problem if they had both? That they remain in the household of Rasulullah and also have all the luxuries and comforts. They could have been living like queens. Whereas what was the condition of the queen of Jannah? The queen of Jannah, Hazrat Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha, she is the most beloved daughter of Rasulullah and she is having to do all the work herself, the difficult chores, to the extent that her hands are becoming completely filled with corns and blisters. And then she is really exerting herself and getting exhausted with all the chores that she has to do personally. And then there is an opportunity to bring about some kind of comfort and ease in the sense that there is some servant or slave that is available but Nabi ﷺ has to be asked for this. So it's a long story short, which we are familiar with. We have heard this incident very much, very often. She comes to Rasulullah ﷺ, but there are some men present, so she goes away. Later that evening, Nabi ﷺ comes himself to her house. And then after having inquired what was the purpose of her coming, Hazrat Ali ﷺ then explains, because she was too shy to even explain that. That I sent her. She undertakes all the household chores, the difficult work, her hands are filled with blisters. She has to knee, grind the flour herself, she has to clean the house, she has to go and fetch water. She has to do so many difficult chores and all the cooking on that open fire and smoke. So I told her to come and ask for one slave to help out with all these chores. So Rasulullah who is Rahmatul Lil Alameen, who knew what is best for all, and this is his own beloved daughter. She is the queen of Jannat. But what is Rasulullah saying to her? That should I give you something better? Should I tell you something that is greater and better? He says, yes, please do tell us. Nabi teaches her Tasbih Fatimi. What is known as Tasbih Fatimi? And the name came to be known as Tasbih Fatimi because it was given as a gift to Hazrat Fatima. That before you go to bed, and both Hazrat Ali and Hazrat Fatima were now being addressed. When you go to bed, before you go to bed, recite 33 times Subhanallah, 33 times Alhamdulillah, 34 times Allahu Akbar. And Nabi Wasallam says to them that this is better for you than a khadim, than a servant. Hazrat Fatima happily accepts this. And she is content with this. So now, this is how the Queen of Jannat is spending her time in life. Azwadi Mutahrat also in similar circumstances, sometimes two months on end go past 
and there is nothing to be cooked available. Nothing available to be cooked in the houses of Rasulullah Not one, everyone. All the wives. Nobody has anything available to cook two months in a row. And the only thing they are surviving on is dates and water. But there is nothing available to cook, so the stove is not lit. So our minds would tell us that what was the problem? Why was, was both not given to them? Have both. The best of both, so we will say. But Rasulullah set a standard for the Ummah till Qiyamah that in the Ummah there will be all classes of people. There will be those who might be able to live a little bit comfortably. There will be those who would have nothing. There will be those who would be poverty stricken. There should not be anyone who does not have some solace and comfort in the life of Rasulullah. So now the poorest of the poor also. He also would look back and say that my Nabi also tied stones to his belly. My Nabi also in his homes, some guest came and Nabi sent somebody to go and inquire from the homes that is there anything available to feed the guest. And at that time there were nine wives in the household of Rasulullah and he goes to each of the nine homes. The person inquiring goes and knocks on the door of each of the nine homes and inquires that Nabi wants to know if there is anything to feed the guest. And from every one of the homes, the only the answer comes is the same answer. Ma indana illalma. The only thing we have available in the house is water. Nothing else but water. So this is the way that my Nabi Slaasam also had to undergo this difficulty. Even the poorest of the poor has something to turn to for his solace and comfort. And he too does not find any kind of loophole in his condition. That I cannot follow deen, I cannot live up to the commands of deen, because I am in this condition. Nabi Wasallam and his household were in an even more desperate condition in terms of their livelihood, etc. But, what Nabi Wasallam was showing us with this, that he was the most successful, his families were the most successful, and that was despite having to do nothing to do with dunya. Unfortunately, nowadays, success is measured in the light of what kind of progress in dunya. They call it the quality of life. What do they mean by the quality of life? That who has more cars, a bigger house, more luxuries, more comforts, (coughs) and they can live it up more, then they say, well, the quality of life has increased. Whereas the quality of life doesn't increase with these things. Quality of life is something else. Quality of life is in the heart. It's in the mind. Quality of life is what a person feels. Many a person has all the material things and is feeling depressed. He has all the material things and he wants to commit suicide. So, is that the quality of life? So, in any case, what the point is, that Rasulullah set the standard. And Allah Ta'ala revealed these ayat and addressed Azwaja Mutahharat. That look what you want. Take one of these two things. They all chose Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Then, when all chose Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam, further Allah Taala then gives them the great virtues that they can receive. That whoever does righteous deeds, Allah Taala will reward them tremendously. All those details are there. Then further Allah Ta'ala addresses them and says, Ya Nisa an Nabi lastunnaka ahadim minan nisa in ittaqaitun. Now who is being addressed? The most chaste woman 
on earth are being addressed. The woman of the highest caliber. There can be nobody that can come close to the Sahabiyat. The Sahaba and Sahabiyat after them, no matter who it might be, they can't come close to their rank. And then from the Sahabiyat, the Azwaj Mutaharat, those whom Allah Ta'ala chose to be part of the household of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Who can imagine their position and status? Now, Allah Ta'ala is addressing them. They are being addressed, but the message is for every single woman till Qiyamah. It is not something that others are excluded from this. No, they are included as well. But Allah Ta'ala is addressing these greatest of personalities, so others will take a lesson to a greater extent. Allah Ta'ala is saying, Oh, the wives of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, you are not like ordinary people. So if you adopt taqwa, then Allah Ta'ala is going to reward you tremendously, but what you should now do, how you should observe, what you should observe, how you should conduct yourself. Now, to bear in mind, repeatedly we will keep saying this, that who is being addressed? The Azwaja Muttaharat are being addressed. And what are they being told? The first thing they are being told is, فَلَا تَخْضَعَنَ بِالْقَوْلِ that don't speak in soft tones. What this means is, that if out of sheer necessity, you have to speak to some non-mahram. So, that non-mahram might be anybody, it might be a doctor, or out of necessity you have to speak to him, and express what is the problem. It might happen sometimes, Shariat has given that permission within specified limits, that what kind of interaction is permissible in these, these circumstances of need. So now you might have to express something. Or somebody might come and knock at the door and they might inquire something. So you're going to have to give some reply and answer. There might be some other situation out of some necessity. You might have to express yourself to some non-mahram. So now what will be the manner of doing this? How you will go about this? So Allah Ta'ala is giving the direction and the command فَلَا تَخْضَعَنَ بِالْقَوْلِ that don't speak in soft tones. In other words, the Mufassirin explain that you should deliberately make your voice somewhat unattractive. So that Allah Ta'ala further says فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ We should keep bearing this in mind. As I mentioned, and we will keep reminding ourselves that who is being addressed. That band of people are being addressed, the Sahabiyat, who nobody after them in the Ummah can come close to their rank also, to their level of purity and chastity. Allah Ta'ala is speaking about that that it must not happen that somebody in whose heart there's a disease, that he may start entertaining some kind of thought about you. He might start entertaining some kind of inclinations. This marad, disease, this disease that is being referred to here is fisk. Somebody whose heart is inclined to sin. Somebody whose heart is not filled with taqwa. Whose heart is not filled with the consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. So now the potential is there that he is going to now start harboring some negative and some evil inclinations. So in order to distract that, in order to ensure that this doesn't even uh, find any way to creep into the heart, 
you should distract this by making your voice unattractive. Because there is a degree of natural attraction in a woman's voice which Allah Ta'ala has created. So now that natural attraction, that is something needs to be to a point distorted deliberately. When there has to be some communication for whatever reason out of sheer necessity with a non-mahram. Obviously without necessity there is no scope for that at all. But where Shariat has recognized certain necessities, then in those situations as well, Allah Ta'ala is giving the command, فَلَا تَخْدَعَنَ بِالْقَوْلِ Now this might sound sometimes to us as a very, very strange thing, something very far. But the problem unfortunately is that this is not strange. The problem is that we have become estranged from the commands of Allah Ta'ala. We have gone far away. So, when we have gone far away, now for example, somebody is standing right by the Kaaba Sharif. He says, MashaAllah, the Kaaba Sharif is so near. The Kaaba Sharif will remain where it is. Now he goes far away now, he's somewhere in one hotel room, distance away, but it's high. So from there he can see the Kaaba Sharif, but now from that distance he'll see it. So how it'll look? It'll look like a small little building. It'll be like as if, if he's standing alongside it, he might be higher than it. It might appear like that from the distance. Why? Because of he's gone far away. Had he been standing alongside, he would see how huge and majestic it is. So likewise, deen is where deen is. Deen hasn't moved anywhere. The commands of Allah Ta'ala are exactly where they are. From the time Allah Ta'ala revealed the Quran Sharif to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and from the time Rasulullah gave the Ummah the direction of deen, that's exactly where it is. But now over time, we have left that Mubarak way and have distanced ourselves. Now we are looking at it far off. Somebody can see it, somebody can't even see it because it's so far away. Somebody sees it and they see it's looking very different. No, no, it can't be what we are hearing about. It's looking very different. Because we're standing so far away now. We look at the Kaaba Sharif from about a kilometer away. It looks like one small little place. But the Kaaba Sharif is the Kaaba Sharif. Likewise, deen is deen and all the commands of Allah Ta'ala in their pristine purity, that is unchangeable and will never change till Qiyamah. But we stand far away from a distance and then in between us and deen, there are so many things that are now being filtered through by people with sometimes either jahalat, either ignorance, or people with different agendas, people with other kinds of ideals who wish to try and distract people away from deen. So now we are looking through all these veils. And now we look at the Kaaba Sharif through these veils, we can't even see it. The color is looking different. Whereas the black cloth of the Kaaba Sharif is still on it. But now because there's so many different color, multicolored veils in between, the cloth is also looking red, for example. But it's not red, it's still black. But we can see it different. Why? Because we're standing at a different spot and we're looking through different things. There's some glass, colored glass in between now. Likewise, deen, deen is what deen is. The same pure deen that Allah Ta'ala revealed in the Quran Sharif. What Rasulullah delivered to the Ummah, that hasn't changed. That is there in its pristine purity. But sometimes we are looking at it through the red glasses of the fashions of the West. Sometimes we are looking at it through the green glasses of the norms of society. Sometimes we are standing miles away and we are looking past all the intermingling of people and we are trying to see what deen commands. Now we are looking at it through all this intermingling crowd. And now we are trying to see what the Quran Sharif says. 
that there should be no intermingling. No, cannot be. Man, we're seeing all this happening all the time. How can it be? But the problem is where we're standing. We are standing past all the distract, distractions and now we're looking through all this. And now we're trying to understand what is the command of Allah Ta'ala. We are going to get a very, very distorted picture. We're going to have to come and stand right next to the Kawa Sharif. Now we'll have to raise our head to see how high it is. Now we'll see that shining black ghilaf of the Kaaba Sharif. The awe and the majesty of the Kaaba Sharif will engulf our hearts. So likewise we have to come to the pristine purity of deen and discard all the other things in between. Now we'll see deen for what it really is. And that we will get that clear understanding through the authentic ulama kiram who have received it via the chain, the unbroken chain all the way up to Rasulullah through their ustads, etc. So, and all this, what has already been highlighted and what has been very simplified and explained to us by our Kabir already in their works. So we don't have to go here, there and everywhere. It's all ready for us. It's all very easily digestible because it has been presented in such a simple manner for us, simplified form for us. This is where we're going to take it from. So nevertheless, this ayat of the Qur'an Sharif, Allah Ta'ala is saying that, look, and azwaj mutahharat are being, are being addressed, but the message is for every single woman, that, فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ Don't talk in the soft, alluring t- tones. Whether it's a phone, somebody has called, it's some non-mahram. So, when it's a non-mahram, it can be anybody. It could, call, could have called for any purpose. Whatever the reason was, but out of sheer necessity now, this lady has to give a reply, so she's going to give a reply in the tone that the Qur'an Sharif is commanding. فَلَا تَخْضَعَنَ بِالْقَوْلِ The Qur'an Sharif is declaring, فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ Now, this 20th century, 1400 years, 1500 years later, nobody can claim that this society is now purer than what it was then. It's not even to a fraction of the purity of that time. Yet Allah Ta'ala in that time is saying, فَلَا تَخْضَعَنَ بِالْقَوْلِ فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ That but Allah Ta'ala is saying, فَيَطْمَعَ الَّذِي فِي قَلْبِهِ مَرَضٍ In this time, 1400-1500 years later, that is multiplied maybe several thousand times. So this is a very, very major issue that unfortunately we have ignored. And as a result, the fitna that then ensues, this is the result of we standing very far away and trying to see, well, what the Quran Sharif is saying something, no, we, it's probably not that. So we need to come back to what the Qur'an Sharif has taught us, what Rasulullah has given very clearly, and take that and move forward. So this was the first command. Then Allah Ta'ala says, And remain firmly within your homes. Now, Qur'an Sharif is a word of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is commanding. Allah Ta'ala is giving the instruction. Allah Ta'ala is our creator, our sustainer. We have a child, the child, we didn't create the child. Yes, we have been the means of the child coming into the world. So, therefore, there's a tremendously great right that Allah Ta'ala has placed for parents upon children. Because the parents have been the means of that child coming into the world. So, they have to be respected. They cannot be told, oof, as well. And any permissible command of that parent has to be obeyed. The parents have to be looked after, etc. Many, many rights Allah Ta'ala has placed upon the children for the parents. Why? Because the parents were the means. But the parents didn't create the child. The parents didn't even know anything about how the child was being created. In those darknesses of the womb of the mother, 
Allah Ta'ala was fashioning the child with his qudrat. That delicate little fingers, who was creating it? That fingerprint, that unique fingerprint. If you have to give somebody, he'll put on first the lights to even see, and he still can't see in the light, bright light, probably double bright light, he cannot see his own fingerprint with the naked eye easily. He can just see some maybe blurred lines, but he can't see it really. In that bright light, he can't see his own fingerprint. In the darkness of the womb of that mother, Allah Ta'ala created that fingerprint. And that unique fingerprint, the whole world can't match it. Now, that is just one aspect. All the things Allah Ta'ala says, يَخْلُقُكُمْ فِي بُطُونِ أُمَّهَاتِكُمْ خَلْقًا مِّن بَعْدِ خَلْقٍ فِي ظُلُمَاتٍ ثَلَاثٍ Allah Ta'ala created this. Allah Ta'ala created us, so Allah Ta'ala has no right to command us. Na'uzubillah. Allah Ta'ala has every right to command us. Allah Ta'ala is our creator, He is our sustainer, and we have to account to Him again on the day of Qiyamah. So it's His prerogative, His creation, He can give the command to who He wishes, what He wishes. Our duty is to submit. Allah Ta'ala is saying, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ Remain firmly in your homes. Now, the muhaddisin, mufassireen, the fuqaha, they have then explained that what is the limits and what are the valid shari'i reasons for which a woman can emerge, the azwaj mutahharat by their amal and by their practice, they demonstrated the various uh, permissible avenues for which a woman could emerge. And there are various details in this regard. The time is very limited to go into these details. So now that is the pattern, that is the direction. But now somebody who doesn't have, like this person standing far away from the Kaaba Sharif, he sees that small little cube, but when he comes right there, then he realizes what's the difference. Likewise, we are seeing all these things through the eyes of the West now. That woman must be in every sphere of society. She must be the captain of business. These are the words nowadays used. Among the captains of business. So now she must become the captain of business. And then she must be in every professional field. And she must be anywhere and everywhere. And let alone that, so now when she is everywhere in the business world, in the professional fields and everywhere else, so besides the other harms that come out of it on a domestic level, etc. But now she can't just be confined only to the business world. Then now she needs to emerge for even gymming. So she must go to the gym too. Because the husband is going to the gym. So she must go to the gym as well. And then she she must go to well a whole lot of other things. Sometimes it's some for some manicure and pedicure and Allah knows best what other cures. But in all these cures, the problem is that the commands of Allah Ta'ala are being violated and trampled. And this is something that is not even crossing the mind that there is some problem here. One is the person is doing something, they recognize, they realize that this is my mistake, my weakness. I should not be doing this, but my weakness. They're making toba, istighfar. There's, inshallah, very great hope that that consciousness will develop and they would move from that point, they would move forward and give up those wrong practices. But if that realization is also not there, this is a very difficult situation, very far away. Now, this is what we need to bring alive. We started off right at the beginning that women, mashallah, have that potential to influence the whole household influence through their household influence what goes on outside as well. We need to bring alive this within the woman folk, within our own homes, within others, within our families, our friends.
that come back onto that which Rasulullah has left the Ummah on. In terms of how a woman should be conducting herself, Allah Ta'ala is saying, فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَا بِالْقَوْلِ Let us bring this alive. How we are going to talk now? Obviously any non-mahram interaction, that is out, out of necessity where we have to talk, give some reply or ask something, this is how it will be. The way that the Qur'an Sharif is teaching us, فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَا بِالْقَوْلِ And then, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ We will inquire from the ulama, okay, what is the limits to which I can leave the home for something, is this something permissible, I want to go to the gym, is this fine? So, we will be told, no, this is not fine. This is not fine at all. Because this is not something Shariat recognizes as a need to go out to the gym. A person needs to look after their health by all means, but there's so much uh, that a person can do within the four walls of their home to look after their health. But shaitan distracts the person from what is permissible to take a person out into an environment and to a place and various other things so that deen will be compromised and the command of Allah Ta'ala will be violated. Allah Ta'ala says, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَّةِ الْأُولَى And don't make a display of yourself like the display of the previous times of ignorance. The previous ignorance. That there was no consciousness of hijab, no consciousness of uh, maintaining the segregation, etc. And there was a complete lack of haya. This is the aspect that Unfortunately, the Ummah has lost. And due to this Haya being lost, the values of Deen are being very, very severely compromised or lost entirely. And we are going further and further away. We are going so far away, unfortunately, that in many sectors of society, it is becoming difficult for people to even imagine what is the right thing. The right thing is gone so far away that that is looking like something very, very strange. It's looking, really? Can we live like that? Is that really how you're supposed to be? No, it cannot be. I don't think so. These are the kind of things. And this is not just imagination. This is from the correspondence of several young girls, etc., who were looking for some kind of advice and direction. So out of necessity, they finally wrote. And the crux of what was written was that I now realize that there is something else. Up to now, I couldn't imagine that there was something besides this that I needed to do. And it wasn't imaginable that I would have, I would be able to, or I should be changing this lifestyle of mine. What kind of lifestyle? The completely uh, the decadent lifestyle of the West without any shame, dressing up in a most shameless manner, going to places that are completely out of limits of deen and shariat, interacting with anyone and everyone, all kinds of haram uh, involvement, and that was regarded as the norm in that particular person's life. I say, well, everybody in my circle was doing the same thing, and my parents also didn't object to it, and I thought, well, this is the way life carries on, so it's fine, we are Muslim and uh, we will sometimes perform some salah, etc. But this is, a lifestyle, this is a lifestyle that we lead and that's how things carried on until something Allah Ta'ala's tawfiq, that something uh, brought about some consciousness and a person now started thinking that no, I'm far away from where I'm supposed to be. So this 
was a reality in their lives once upon a time. That they couldn't imagine that deen in its pristine purity was something practicable, something to be adopted. It sounded so far away. Unfortunately, this is a very common problem. We need to now make that effort. We need to make the effort to bring this alive. Alhamdulillah, I'm talking about whatever I'm talking in the light of whatever comes to our attention back in Durban. MashaAllah, Newcastle, Allah Ta'ala give barakat in the efforts of deen that are taking place here. In the light of that efforts, I'm very much hopeful that many of these things don't apply at all here. But nevertheless, this is a muzakara. This is an, a reminder for myself and it is a reminder for one and all that this is where our direction is. This is where we're supposed to be heading. So Allah Ta'ala says, وَقَرْنَ فِي بُيُوتِكُنْ وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنَ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَةِ الْأُولَى now, on the one hand, this is the instruction regarding the emergence of the home. That you stick within the home and unless there is some need that Shariat has recognized or some aspect which Shariat has allowed for that you are emerging, it's fine. And that too in the way that Shariat has prescribed. But apart from that, then you stay within the four walls of your home and this is your fortress. This is the protection. Unfortunately, Nowadays that too is given a different title that in this prison and so on. But this is the fortress that Allah Ta'ala has created. So nevertheless Allah Ta'ala says that وَلَا تَبَرَّجْنُ تَبَرُّجَ الْجَاهِلِيَةِ الْأُولَى وَأَقِمْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاةِ وَأَطِعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهِ Allah Ta'ala then says وَأَقِمْنَ الصَّلَاةِ Establish salah in your homes. Establish salah in your homes. This is an extremely important injunction of deen, the most fundamental injunction of deen, we should ensure that we ourselves are very punctual on our salah and everybody else is also punctual on their salah. This is again the influence that Allah Ta'ala has blessed women with in general. They need to use this influence even on their menfolk. That to ensure that they also perform their salah with jama'ah, they go to the masjid and perform all their salah on time with jama'ah. We use this influence in a correct manner with hikmah and wisdom. Inshallah, we will get the reward of all those who will come onto their salah. This is a very simple way for us to earn so much. وَأَقِمْنَ الصَّلَاةِ وَآتِينَ الزَّكَاةِ Allah Ta'ala then says and discharge and fulfill the zakah. وَأَطِعْنَ اللَّهَ وَرَسُولَهُ And then in general, Allah Ta'ala wraps the whole deen into this little sentence and be obedient to Allah and His Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Now these are the commands that Allah Ta'ala gave, primarily addressing the azwaj mutahharat but referring to and these commands are applicable to every woman of the Ummah till Qiyamah. Now this is something which we need to bring alive again. The mizaj of deen. There is a, spe- a temperament of deen. The spirit of deen. We need to bring the spirit of deen alive. Many a times there is some words of deen, some name of deen, but being applied in all things that are not really deen. But we need to bring the word of deen alive, the spirit of deen alive. And these are very fundamental aspects as part of the spirit of deen. So this is what we need to bring alive. This is what we need to now start focusing towards. And we ourselves latch onto this. We encourage others as well. We ourselves take this to heart. That these are the commands of my Allah, which Allah Ta'ala has revealed in the Quran Sharif. We try to bring others onto the same path as well. So this is a very, very important aspect of deen which Allah Ta'ala has highlighted for us in the Quran Sharif. And again, all this this comes back to that very essential quality of haya. 
to the extent that this haya is alive, to that extent all these commands of the Qur'an Sharif will be alive. Now if that haya is alive, then فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ That will be alive. To the extent of haya, that will be alive. And without that, that will be a problem. Without haya, then it will be, there will be counter-arguments. That now, won't it sound rude now, if I'm going to talk in that manner to somebody, won't it sound rude? No, Allah Ta'ala is saying you talk like that. That's not rude. That is being obedient to Allah Ta'ala. Unfortunately, where a person is supposed to be very, very polite, speak in a very nice tone, speak very well, for example, to one's parents, or to speak to one's spouse in that manner, then they, suddenly we forget that now it's very important to be very polite, and uh, must not be rude, must not be abrupt. But where Allah Ta'ala is saying, فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ There sometimes there will be an, a counter-argument. And all kinds of other notions will be put forward. But there Allah Ta'ala is not giving us that leeway to do that. Allah Ta'ala's command is clear. فَلَا تَخْضَعْنَ بِالْقَوْلِ Now for example, a person has to out of necessity say something, they will be very, very matter of fact. It will not be some casual discussion starting off with how's the weather. There's no need for how's the weather. How's the weather? The weather, whatever it is, is carrying on. Newcastle is always cold. Generally today, mashallah, is a warm day. Everybody knows it. There's no need to ask about it, to say about it. It's fine. But this is the way shaitan starts opening the doors to fitna by means of casual discussion and various other issues. One thing then leads to another and before a person knows it, they are far away from Allah Ta'ala. So these commands of deen are there for us. It is our protection, the entire deen, whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded, whatever Allah Ta'ala has commanded is for us, for our benefit, whatever Allah Ta'ala has prohibited us from, is for our protection. To the extent that we refrain from it, we'll be saved, our families will be saved. To the extent that this is compromised, we risk ourselves, we risk others as well. May Allah wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq that we fully understand the spirit of deen, and we bring alive the spirit of deen, we bring alive this mizaj and temperament of deen, we ourselves practice upon this, we encourage others and help others also to tread the same path of coming back to the pure deen, coming back, as we mentioned, we are unfortunately standing far away. We need to now pass again through all the other things and come straight next to deen, like standing next to the Kaaba Sharif. Now we'll see the majesty of the Kaaba Sharif. Now we'll be overawed with its beauty. And now we will see what greatness there is in it. So this is what we need to do. Come back right to the Qur'an Sharif and the Sunnah of Rasulullah And this we will do through the teachings of our authentic ulama kiram And they would explain to us what is there in the Qur'an Sharif and the Ahadith. Otherwise we will make our own fancied interpretations. And that too will be a means of our deviation. Allah Ta'ala save us. Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala accept one and all. Allah Ta'ala bless each one in all their noble efforts. Allah Ta'ala accept all the sacrifices that are being made for deen. Allah Ta'ala grant afiyat in our deen, in our dunya, and protect us in every sense of the word. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Allahumma laka alhamdu kulluhu wa laka shukru kulluhu. Allahumma la nuhsi thana'an alayk anta kama athnayta ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyana Muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahlu. 
ربنا ولمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تخفلنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت الأعز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين والحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين اللهم إنا نسألك من خير ما سألك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم ونعوذ بك من شر ما استعاذك منه نبيك وحبيبك سيدنا محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم أنت المستعان وعليك البلاغ ولا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله العلي العظيم صلى الله تعالى على خير خلقه سيدنا محمد وآله وصحبه أجمعين والحمد لله رب